becoming a mother is certainly the one of the hardest things I've, I've ever done in life, but also the most rewarding. And then coupling that with being a working mother is also one of the hardest and most rewarding things that, that I've ever attempted um, in my career. Welcome to Beyond High Street. My name is Jenny Derrick and I'm the Dean of the Pharma School of Business here at Miami University. Today I'm joined by Katie Binns, who graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Accountancy back in 2009. So welcome, Katie, and thank you for agreeing to do this podcast, Beyond High Street. Thank you, Jenny. It's a pleasure to be here with you. It's so good to see you again, too. So, so during this podcast, as our listeners know, we weave through a range of topics. What's It's really important to me that our listeners get to know a bit about you and your journey to the job that you currently hold. And of course, we look at why you chose pharma. We look at your trip down memory lane, and then we leave with some recommendations for our students. So start off by telling me what you currently do at Morningstar. You've got a really fascinating job. And, and then I'd like to back into how you got into that role, because you've come out of tax and audit, if I'm not mistaken. In fact, before that, you even worked at the Student Credit Union, which I think is really, really valuable learning. And, and you've woven through some interesting roles to get to the role that you currently have at Morningstar. Sure. So I am currently the director of fixed income and multi-asset indexes at Morningstar. And what that really means is I look over an entire portfolio of more than 150 fixed income indexes and 200 multi-asset class indexes that large financial institutions use for all sorts of portfolio management and investable product creation. Most people know indexes as the, the tool or really the enabler behind uh, ETFs, which have really flourished in the last year. Uh, so that's that's my primary responsibility set um, here at Morningstar. And you're right, it's been a huge journey since uh, since my days at Miami, at the working with the credit union, to joining Deloitte, to to getting where I am. Um, at at Morningstar today, uh, several geographies and countries and firms, and I'm you know happy to tell you more. Well, I'd love to. So let's go right back to the beginning. So the, the Student Credit Union has been a really important asset for us, and it's been a great training ground for many of our students who've ended up in an array of different financial service roles. So talk to me about what, what you did at the credit union. So, uh, of course, I was an accounting major and at the time, and I was interested in growing my accounting acumen. So I started at the credit union as a teller and uh, worked my way up to, to being the chief accounting officer of the credit union, which was a huge, um, huge role. At the beginning, it gave me immense anxiety because I was responsible for looking after, at the time, it was a million dollars in student deposits. And I'm sure it's far beyond that now. Um, but at the time, that to me seemed like an enormous amount of responsibility. Uh, that was a, an experience that I feel like really put my academics to work in a real capacity. And I feel like that was one of the differentiating factors that set me apart in getting um, internship offers with all of the big four accounting firms. So you went into tax and audit, but I'm and, and you can speak to that too, but then you went into MetLife. And what I'm really intrigued by is that you went from New York to Hong Kong, um, from customer experience to portfolio manager to chief of staff. So even within MetLife, not only have you had different geographies, but also different roles. So Talk to our listeners about um, all of the above. I mean, I'm really intrigued to, to find out how you ended up in Hong Kong. Uh, and then, of course, the different roles you've had in, with MetLife along the way. 
Sure. Well, I would first have to say I never would have ended up in Hong Kong if I had not done my study abroad uh, through Miami and through the Farmer School of Business. So I did the study abroad experience. It was called the Far East Program. Um, and we went all through Hong Kong and mainland China. And that was really what unlocked my interest in that region for the first time. And, you know, being an American and embarking on a global career path is generally not an easy feat. And so after, you know, leaving the accounting world and getting my MBA, I felt like I was finally well positioned to embark on that global career path, which is why I joined MetLife. And with that kind of foundational understanding of finance, which I feel like runs everything in the business world, uh, applying that to various roles uh, at MetLife uh, was really is what enabled me for success, I guess. Um, so in terms of how I made the jump from New York to to Hong Kong, I was recruited into MetLife's global management development program. So there was the expectation that I would uh, move anywhere there was a company need. And there was supposed to be a matchup of my underlying skills and where the company thought my growth areas could be. And when the opportunity to go to Hong Kong to be chief of staff arrived, um, I certainly was brave enough to raise my hand and get into a very competitive Canada pool to bring me over. So I mean, Hong Kong is one of my favorite cities. So speak to the listeners about that experience when you first arrive and you're setting up home in a foreign country. I'm sure there were surprises and challenges uh, and and now that you've left I'm sure there's much that you miss so tell us a little bit about those early observations as an expat and then and then what you missed as you came back to stateside of course so some of my earliest observations uh, in arriving in Hong Kong is your network is everything and showing up in a foreign country you you basically have no network because you've never lived there before. So you have to reach into the woodwork of your friends and your former contacts and your friends of friends to really help you figure out how things really work. So even from the most basic things of, I need to set up, I need to set up a house. I have no furniture here. Who do, who do I know? How do I know what a good furniture store is or not? Or even where to go shopping in this, in this, in, massively dense city where you might find a furniture store on the 32nd floor of some random tower in a neighborhood you've never heard of and can't even pronounce. Uh, but this is where the network uh, really takes effect. And I was lucky enough to have that deep network actually through Miami, as well as from my MBA experience of, of friends or friends of friends that I could call on to, to help me navigate just the most basic of things. Where's the grocery store? How, how do I get signed up for, you know, a health plan? I, I don't know about you, but I've, I've certainly moved and there comes a point and it's normally about the two year mark that all of a sudden you start bumping into people at the supermarket and things start to feel familiar. And you know, when you're at an intersection, <laughs> where you should go left or right. And, and was that your experience too? After a little while, it started to feel like home? Absolutely. I mean, still today, I've lived in Hong Kong almost as long as anywhere else in my professional career. I, I spent four years in Washington, D.C. in the very early years of my life. And then really since then, I have bounce, bounced around a bit. Now that I'm settled in Chicago, it'll we're almost going to cross that mark. But yeah, Hong Kong absolutely felt 
felt like home, still feels like home. There, there are things that I miss uh, immensely. There's, there's nothing like, you know, waking up on the, the 32nd floor of your, your home, looking over the entire harbor and view of Hong Kong and that energy that just, uh, I, I don't know, really put some fire behind uh, living, living and working in just such a vibrant city. And I, I think that's actually one of the things that I miss the most. I don't think I've ever come across such a vibrant, diverse uh, city as Hong Kong. It's a, and it is a beautiful place. I, I have a similar memory of staying in a hotel and looking out over the harbour and actually sleeping with the curtains open because the view was just so spectacular. It really was. So so then you came back to the States and, and you started in McDonald's before you went to Morningstar. So talk about the transition back stateside. So transitioning back stateside was uh, was a challenge. Uh, we we moved back stateside because my husband, uh, also a Miamian from the engineering school, uh, he got an opportunity in Chicago, and uh, I had recently given birth to our first child. So it was, a, it was a good time for for me to make that transition. But I, you know, found that now most of my network was sitting in Hong Kong and. I had to pull out all those tools of, of re-networking and as a new mother and trying to find an opportunity. And all of this is happening right as the world was teetering on the brink of the pandemic, uh, which certainly complicated things. Uh, but I, I did find my way to to a role at McDonald's where I was responsible for managing the breakfast product portfolio. So I went from managing a big investment portfolio uh, in Hong Kong for MetLife to managing uh, uh, McDonald's suite of breakfast products and all the financials and product decisions behind that. Um, it's a really dynamic time. Uh, it was fun to try a new industry and just reaffirmed my belief that Careers are not necessarily linear. You can take different zigs and zags in your career as long as you're putting more tools in your toolkit that can allow you to uh, become a better a better leader with greater perspective. Now, you mentioned beautiful baby Oliver, who's three, I believe. So I'm pretty sure that many of our listeners are going to be quite intrigued in terms of how on earth you manage the career that you have and a, a likely very active three-year-old. <laughs> so talk to me about your your view of work-life balance and how you how you make it work. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, becoming a mother is certainly the one of the hardest things I've, I've ever done in life, but also the most rewarding. And then coupling that with being a working mother is also one of the hardest and most rewarding things that, that I've ever attempted uh, in my career. You know, some days are easier than others, but I think that finding a company that really understands and prioritizes your own personal health and well-being, including that of your family, is really important. I'm fortunate here at Morningstar that the company structure is is very family-friendly. If my son is sick, I can take a day off, or if he's got something important going on, I can be out for that. But I also give back in the same way, right? It's balanced. There are some days where I've gotten to the office at 6 a.m. and my husband is is managing things at home. So I think it's it's really about a partnership, right, between you and your spouse and also between you and the company that, that you're working for. And that's that's really my experience is that I think, you know, working for Morningstars was as much a partner in my, my life as, uh, as I need my spouse to be, right? It has to work in both directions and... Um, each each day requires a little bit of balance and thoughtfulness and a whole lot of hurriedness, but we we make it work and uh, and I, and I really I, I really love and thrive on on having both challenges. 
I always think you need a good sense of humour to get through it. <laughs> yes. uh, so, so my last question before we go down memory lane is, is you also did an, an MBA at, at Duke at the Farquhar School, finished in 2015. So talk to me about the decision to go back to school and get an MBA. What was behind that? So my decision to go back to school and get an MBA was really about broadening my toolkit. So Miami gave me what I think is the best foundation I could have ever asked for. Uh, it, it unlocked doors that brought me from my, you know, childhood in the Columbus suburbs to to the big city. But I really felt like I was capable of more, but just needed needed the network, needed to expand the network and expand my my tools to do so. And so that's really why I went to get an MBA because I really felt like more experience in strategy and marketing would complement my already strong foundation and work experiences in finance and accounting. Uh, and then of course, you know, I wanted I, I wanted some new avenues to take my career global. So that's why I did it. Good, good job. So let's go right back, way back to high school and, and, and the choice to come to pharma. So why did you choose pharma? I'm really intrigued what, what the motivating factors were. Sure. So I, I looked at a lot of schools. Uh, pharma school was always on my consideration list. Of course, growing up in Ohio uh, and in Columbus, like every, everybody knows uh, that pharma school is like the premier business school for for Ohio students and I looked around I went to Boston I went to Chicago uh, I I kind of went all over I looked at looked and applied at 10 schools and at the end of the day it was really Miami where I felt like it it felt like home being on campus it and not like home in the in the home where I grew up it felt like this is the home where I belong and um, and then knowing that like the the farmer school and the prestige and the academic rigor and the network, all of that just made it such a clear choice to me. This is where I'm supposed to be. Love it. Perfect answer to <laughs> <laughs> So when you look back at your time on your time at Miami, who was your favorite professor and why? Sure. So I have to say it was Brian Ballou. Uh, and there were so many, like I could, I, I could go on and on. Uh, but at least in the farmer school, uh, I, I'd have to say it was definitely Brian Ballou because I have never met someone who can put so much passion and fire behind accounting and auditing in particular. I mean, that is, that is, that is like a, a gift that you can, you can make it that exciting. And even though I chose to go into tax, sorry, Professor Ballou, but I, I just feel like that energy, right? I'm drawn to people with high energy, right? And and passion. And so uh, that will always stick with me. I'll make sure I tell Brian to listen to the podcast. He'll be, <laughs> he'll be very pleased. Uh, and he's a great colleague. So what subject did you least enjoy? Oh, well, it I loved I loved almost everything I did at Farmer. My but what I least enjoyed truthfully was geology and philosophy. That was not for me. Uh <laughs> it, it but it did reaffirm that I belong in the business school um and not in arts and sciences. That's funny. What co-curricular activities were you involved in? Uh sure. So so I was involved in a in a number of co-curricular activities, but really where I focused my time was the credit union. Uh and I've always been very, very practical, driven, work-oriented, and I felt like that was the place where um, devoting my time really 
engaged me, right, as a student and upcoming professional, and then also gave back uh, to Miami. I was also uh, a, a resident assistant in the residence halls, and that was a really fun place for me to be as well because, you know, getting to, you know, share my experiences with other young women, you know, in their in their academic careers and guiding and shaping is is just something I really like to do. So what was your favorite time of the day for class? Are you, are you a morning person or not so much? Oh, definitely a morning person. Uh, I I think, you know, 8, 8 a.m.s were a little too aggressive for me, honestly. Um, but 9 a.m., 9.30 a.m. was like the, the perfect time. I could wake up, have my coffee. I was one of those who was like first to the library to read the Wall Street Journal because I loved to know what was going on. Um, it, it was actually my business ethics professor that um, instilled a love, uh, a lifelong love of the Wall Street Journal. So I still start my day every day uh with the wall street journal so yeah. very good what was your favorite night of the week while you're at miami oh let's see i i really liked well thursday nights and friday nights were probably my favorite night of the week uh, i lived in the honors dorm my sophomore year and so we had a little club um, that we would all get together on Thursday nights in the honors dorm. Believe it or not, honors kids have fun. Uh, and then Friday nights, I just feel like it was just the time to like let loose, whether we went uptown and enjoyed that scene or went to a house party. I was always a very casual, casual person. I wasn't involved in Greek life, but I, I definitely had my core friends. And Thursdays and Fridays, we always knew how to have a good time. Now you mentioned that your your husband's a Miamian. Did you meet at Miami? I I did not meet him at Miami, but uh, I've always had a strong Miami school spirit. So I actually met him at a Starbucks randomly while wearing a Miami University sweatshirt. This was in Washington D.C. So had I not shown up that day in my Miami sweatshirt to order my coffee, I wouldn't be married to this wonderful Miamian today. It was it was just perfect. Story. So wear your t-shirts when you're getting coffee. <laughs> That's so right. Where did you live in your freshman year? Do you remember the the, the dorm and then of course the room number? So so I had a very um, atypical freshman year. I started as a second semester freshman because uh, if, if we kind of go back to wanting to embark on a global career path, actually after high school, I did a brief study abroad experience in France where I lived on a farm. And so when I got to Miami, the freshman dorms were, were full. And so, uh, so I actually lived in Minnick Hall and uh, so I lived with all the sophomore girls um, for my freshman semester and then it quickly slotted in by my sophomore year was almost as fun as what a freshman year should be like. That's great. What about off campus? Where did you live off campus? So off campus, I lived junior year because my senior year was an RA. Uh, and then I lived, I even forget the name of it. It was a very new property. Like you go down uh, down the hill, like as if you're going to Cincinnati towards the alumni center, right? And then it's it's off to the left, but oh, it escapes me. See, I'm getting old. <laughs> I know kind of weird. College suites, college suites. That's what it was. It. There we go. Yeah. So what's your favorite building on campus? Not uptown, but on campus. Oh, wow. Um, well, that's a, that's a really good that's a really good question. I actually love the architecture building. So 
when I lived in Bishop Hall, I had a single and it was, had this little Juliet balcony and it's still there today. But I would, I would open up the doors on the Juliet balcony and of course sit out on it, even though I wasn't supposed to, because it was just too idyllic. And then I'd look over the big, beautiful dome of the architecture building. And I just like the stars are shining, the big trees, like the campus. It's, it was just, it was just so, so stunning. Uh, so that, that's certainly, I think kind of that combination would be one of, one of my favorites. Uh, although I will say that uh, the farmer school business, uh, I went to the old farmer school. Mm -hmm. So the new one, like if you ask me today, what's my favorite building? It, it definitely has to be a farmer school. It's just, it's it so beautiful. And I it wish is. I would have had the opportunity to, to study there. But I love the memory that you've shared as well about looking at over the architecture building. It's fantastic. What's your favorite spot in Uptown? Hmm. Yeah. So Uptown, I really loved the coffee shop in Uptown. Uh, I think I probably spent so much time there. Uh, I don't know if it's even still still there because I, I didn't have a chance to go the last time I was in Miami. But that and just the plaza right there on mm. High Street, just, you know, watching all the activity buzz and, you know, High Street has really changed. It's changed. I mean, it's there's so many like nice, big, taller buildings on High Street. And I just love seeing Oxford continue to grow. So the coffee shop right now is Coffinia. I don't know if that yeah. was the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah there we go. Yeah, Coffinia, yeah. Still, still a favorite. So where was your favorite place to eat apart from Coffinia? If you went out for a meal, where would you go? Yep, so my my favorite place is Bell Tower um, on campus. Um, I loved, I love Bell Tower. And then um, for for eating out, I would say that's, that's hard because uh, – Typically, we'd actually order in. We do a lot of pizza ordered in. Uh, I, I was pretty simple. We were like Papa John's and order it in and the garlic sauce. And uh, I couldn't get that in Hong Kong. So that was one of the first things coming back. It reminded me of my Miami days. <laughs> Papa John's. Good to know. What was your most memorable personal experience while you were at Miami? My most memorable personal experience. Uh, that's really tough because there's so many. You know, I think that probably probably my most memorable personal experience was meeting my lifelong best friend for the very first time. I met her in the bathroom um, at Bishop Hall, and I, I, I'm good at meeting people randomly in my life. And uh, But, you know, I, I told you I came to Miami as a second semester freshman, and so it was a little bit of an odd start. And then so sophomore year, I move into Bishop Hall, and uh, and it's like my first week there and this nice senior um who also lived in bishop hall just happened to just like just be really kind and and you know she could tell i didn't know anybody and i told you we had this thursday night get together um in bishop hall and she's like do you want do you want to come to our thursday night get together and 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 i was just struck by her kindness right and you know she and i are still lifelong best friends she's come to visit me in hong kong and we've we've been Everywhere, but it, it all started in that one moment just of kindness in the bathroom at Bishop Hall. What a perfect story. If you look back on any part of your time at Miami, what, if anything, would you have done differently? Mm. Wow. I don't know if that really, you know, is, is um, it's not necessarily a mindset that, that I would have had, right? It's like, <laughs> I feel like you, you can't go back, but I, I have no regrets. Everything. Everything that I did at Miami, I either learned from, 
right? Or, or learn something about myself. So maybe I would not have taken geology or philosophy, but I certainly learned that that is not the area for, for, for me. Uh, you know, I, I think I lived my Miami experience to, to the fullest. I did, I did horseback riding. I was involved, uh, you know, in, in, at the time of college Republicans. And, you know, that was just an interesting experience. Um, also maybe part of the reason I became a Democrat today, but again, all, all the things that, that I've done at Miami just helped shape me who I am t today. So I don't think I would have done anything differently. I love that. Oh, that's great. So as we move on to the last part of the podcast, it's on to the part of giving advice to students. And I want to think of two different groups of students. So what advice would you give to an incoming first year? And part two, what advice would you give to someone early in their career? Yeah. So to an incoming first year, I would say, especially female students, like don't, don't let certain uh, you know, certain academic tracks at school intimidate you. Because I admittedly was very intimidated by finance. Uh, I felt more drawn to accounting and I ended up managing a, you know, billion dollar portfolio. Uh, and I would say just don't, don't be intimidated. Really, really lean in and use the Miami network to, to explore, right? Because the world is probably much bigger and broader than, than you would expect. And all of those people that you're meeting, those are the most important people you'll probably ever meet in your life. And so investing in those relationships are, I think, critical. And to the students who are early in their career, I'd say something similar, like, don't forget your Miami roots and continue to invest in those relationships and even building new ones with, with Miamians you may not have crossed paths with at school because in the professional world, your network is really everything. So related to that, something I hear a lot from employers is this issue around uh, remote work, work from home. You know, and I think we're all struggling to figure out what the right combination is. But I, I know a lot of our younger listeners, your recent graduates, especially, are a little bit concerned about how to really get started an organization if remote work's an option, if, if or going to the office. So, what advice would you give around that particular phenomena that's so current at the moment as we're trying to grapple whether we need to be at work to advance our careers what the value of being at work is can we do be as effective if we're only working remote yeah that's I think that's a very hot topic for for many people and many companies right now and I think I think it requires a little bit of self-reflection on when are you at your best and who do you need to help you thrive um, and grow your career. And I think there are many instances where there are companies that are fully remote and they have cultures that make that remote work environment very inclusive and everyone grows in that environment, but that's still not the norm. So I would say that, you know, striking the right balance and finding a company that gives you the, the flexibility you need uh, to be your whole self but also those contacts and commitments and managers that are going to show up to make sure that they're coaching you and giving you the hands-on, uh, you know, on the job learning that you need to grow is, is important. So finding a company culture that strikes the right balance um, and, and meets you where you are on your career journey, I think is the most important. 
I love that too. And part of your answer, I think that's really important for our listeners is figuring out what environment you need so that you can flourish the most. And I think for each of us, that's quite different. No, that's fantastic. So thank you so much, Katie. As we wind up the, the end of the podcast, I want to thank you for your gift of time to allow us to record this podcast. One defining characteristic of the Pharma School of Business is just how engaged our alumni are, how willing they are to give back to find ways to support the school, our students, our faculty, our, our staff and other alumni. So thank you, Katie, as you go well and continue your journey beyond High Street. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Love and honour.